0: So this is how liberty dies, with thunderous applause. of Women of the Wills, I'm one of your hosts, Nettie, and today we have something a little different for you guys, but nonetheless still very, very special and pretty cool. Tammy has put together an amazing dissection of the new footage that we got for Rise of Skywalker from D23 recently. We'll be back together as more of a group to discuss this in a upcoming, very soon future episode where we will also have a special guest on to discuss uh, Dark Side Ray in particular. So she's not going to touch on absolutely everything in this new footage. But what she does touch on, trust me, you guys don't want to miss it. It is absolutely insane. I'm just freaking out, just thinking about it right now. It's wonderful. So without further ado, please welcome Tammy and listen to her amazing, amazing (laughs) dissection of this footage.
1: The first half of this special look is uh, just, you know, recapping old footage kind of leading up to the whole uh, thing that we're, we're talking about conclusion of the saga. So here's some other things that have happened in the past of the saga, but I'm mostly going to talk about the second half of the clip, which is, uh, the new Rise of Skywalker footage. So the first shot we see is Poe, Ray, Finn and Chewie and C-3PO on Pasana. It turns around it pans around and we see, uh, kind of our first really good look. Of what Pasana actually kind of looks like with, you know, more than just a couple people. Like, we see more of the actual, like, civilization that's happening here. There's some kind of celebration happening. We have kites flying, we have banners, maybe some kind of, like, effigy statue type of thing happening as well. Um, A lot of people wearing red, red, really common color. Then we get a nice shot of Leia. Then we have a shot of ships coming out of hyperspace, good guy ships. And then you got some bad guy ships. Been following some of the things that Marie Claire from What the Force has been saying about this because I don't know anything really about ships. I would not have recognized that those were not first order ships. So some people are saying those are actual Empire era bad guy ships and not first order ships, which is very interesting um, when it comes to, uh, you know, Palpatine. That shot of Naomi Aki's character, which uh, her name's Jana and Finn and presumably they're on the Falcon and there's another hand in the backs. Um, I think I saw Marie Claire say that, that, that's probably Lando, which I definitely would agree with her on that. And then we get a shot of C-3PO looking really creepy and evil, got some red eyes. Um, either that, or it's some kind of emergency mode, but <laughs> we'll see, I guess what happens with that. And then, um, a shot of what I am supposing is the planet Kijimi um, that we saw in the first trailer the ice planet with kind of like a civilization city looking type of a place Kijimi is being destroyed by some kind of laser weapon and then we got Rey training in the woods now this is another thing I'm gonna go more in depth in later in the podcast but There's a training remote. She's in the forest. She has a wooden stick in her hand, in her right hand, and in her left hand, a red scrap of cloth or ribbon or something. And with her left hand, she tosses her saber and catches it back. Um, It's obvious she's doing some kind of training. um, And my immediate thought is perhaps she is training to be able to fight with maybe two lightsabers. Maybe she'll be using the legacy saber in one hand, and in the other hand, she will be using the dark side lightsaber that she has later on in the trailer. Maybe uh, that's—I'm just throwing some thoughts out there. Next shot, we have a very good boy, ha ha ha, aka Kylo Ren. He is walking on what it looks to be Passana. Um, Alex, uh, aka Rayloology on Twitter, changed the lighting of that a little bit to. It pretty much confirms that it's likely Pasana, maybe at night, where um, he's jumping, he's out of his ship um, and he's igniting his saber and he is walking. And then we cut to a fight scene um, and he's walking forward in a similar way to how he was walking on Pasana, but now they're somewhere else. Um, And and Ray and Kylo are both there and they are fighting. So, the way he was walking, it seems almost like it's connected to the way that he was walking before, um, in the previous shot. So, it really has me wondering if maybe one of them is on the Death Star planet, the one with the ocean where they're fighting, where we see that shot of them fighting, and one of them is on Pisana, and somehow they're fighting through the Force. Um, I've kind of had this theory since, um, since we got our first trailer of, uh, of Ray, you know, jumping over his ship, for some reason, I don't even know why I thought that at the time, that maybe they're having a fight through the Force Bond. Because we haven't seen it doesn't mean that it's not going to happen. Um, they're going to save something cool and awesome. And Daisy did say that they're mining this relationship between them and possibly the Force Bond. She might have been referring to that as well. But it could, I mean, it could also be the other way around, right? even though we've seen establishing shots of Rey and Pasana and, and Kylo on the Death Star planet. I'm not sure. I know there's going to be crazy Force stuff, and I really like the idea of Kylo being on this, like, turbulent, watery planet that's, like, dark side, scary, bad stuff, and Rey being on this um, desert planet uh, with the name, you know, Pasana, which we'll talk about um, later, later on why this is all significant, um in the juxtaposition of that, and them, like, fighting each other. It's very interesting thematically. Yes, uh, we got Dark Ray. And she is... I I've, i think I've seen people, um, you know, comparing this to that concept art with her with half of Kylo's mask on her face. And definitely Vowd looks like half of her face is corrupted somehow. Um, and she's got her double saber that flips open. Very cool, very awesome and then we see the logo. So obviously people knew we would be really like flip flipping out (laughs) by dark, ray. And actually that's something that I'm not going to talk about that much for the rest of the episode. So I will just, um, talk about it here for a few minutes. So, um, dark Ray is something that's been, uh, like a popular idea in the Raylo fandom, you know, since the force awakens. Um, some of our, um, you know, fearless leader, meta leaders like uh, uh, Oatsy and Ashes for Foxes and, um, you know, the Ladies of Scavengers Horde and all of these great, great, you know, founding relos have, um, you know, talked about this idea in, in one way or another. And it's really awesome to see it visually like, oh, they weren't making it up. And it's just really, really cool as a fandom to be able to see that and know you know, you guys are totally valid. You're going in the right direction. So that's really, really awesome to see. And of course, everybody has different ideas of what this actually means for the film. Some people are saying it's, you know, it's not actually her. It's someone that looks like her or, um, you know, she is going to go dark side, but only for a little bit. Um, or it's, it's some kind of vision that, you know, maybe Palpatine is showing her or um, maybe it's like a nightmare that Kylo has, you know, all kinds of things. Um, and I think, you know, most of those seem like really plausible theories to me. Um, and you could go in any direction if you picked one and just like ran with it and thought about like what that would mean and how it could play out. So my personal favorite is that I either like it being I definitely like it being a vision or a dream I either like it being Ray's vision um, like while she's on some kind of like deep spiritual force vision quest and like she is really connecting with um, the force in a very deep way and the force is like talking to her and she's having like a conversation back and forth and the force shows her this Um, I really like that idea uh, I also do like the idea of it being something that Kylo, that the Force is like throwing at Kylo, like, hey, this is, this is, you know, something that might happen. Um, you need to save her, maybe. Um, so that that's that's a pretty cool idea to me as well. Um, of course, you know, Palpatine showing it to one of them would be interesting too. Um, and I think the only thing that I haven't explored right now that I really enjoy is the concept that possibly this is real and I do enjoy that I do enjoy the thought of her actually that actually being really Ray, and this actually happens in the movie but only if I'm I'm trying to figure out how to wear this only if she is Go, she doesn't allow it to corrupt her completely to the point where she hurts someone in a bad way. Um, only if she like takes some time to like channel this and you know consumes her shadow. You know she she uses it. You know she acknowledges it and then she moves on. So um, I guess you know maybe that wouldn't be her act This actually happening. This would be that that also would mean she sees it in a vision and she confronts it. Maybe she fights herself, you know, dark version of herself. That's kind of a cool thing. Maybe she, when she's training in the woods, she's about to fight herself. Who knows? (laughs) Uh, You heard it here first, guys. Ray's going to fight herself as dark Ray, and it's going to be a vision um, because she's confronting herself. I just came up with that just now. So if anybody else has said that, um, it was just a coincidence because I hadn't read anything about that before. <laughs> and then, um, the logo goes and it's that beautiful periwinkle purplish blue. And we hear Ray's theme, um, in chimes, which, ugh, so good. Always love Ray's theme. And it also makes me sad because we had, I feel like the first times that we, heard Ray's theme when we first were introduced to her is when she was on Jakku and when she was a scavenger and when she was alone and it it kind of swelled um and got more instrumentation and stuff like it got more deep and beautiful as she's gone um more on her journey and I it's just sad to hear the chimes again um lonely and alone because it just sounds sad and alone to me um so But, you know, what I've been saying (laughs) ever since we first got, you know, any kind of costume stuff from Ray is that Ray has a broken heart. So it it all it all tracks. Um, So that is the breakdown and, you know, just some reflections and thoughts that I've had. And we will go ahead and continue with some of the more in-depth stuff. So, the first thing that we are going to dive a little bit more deeply into is the location of Pasana. We're going to go through what we know so far, um, some more background and research about the things that we know, and what some of those things mean for the story. So, we don't know much yet. Um, We know that it's where the Aki Aki, a race of aliens, currently live. Uh, the Vanity Fair article, the initial release of information that came out for Rise of Skywalker, um, it mentioned that many of the Aki Aki were played by local Jordanian people, which is um, pretty interesting. It's also been speculated by the fandom that Pasana is a religious site. This speculation uh, comes from the similarity of the word Pasana. To the term vipassana from Buddhism. Um, this term can be loosely translated to insight. Uh, it means a lot more than just insight. Uh, but shout out to our friend Seth at Lords of the Seth on Twitter and Danny at Cardigan Vixen on Twitter um, from Rebel Order Pod for noticing this way back when the Vanity Fair article first dropped. Um, now, a little bit more about vipassana. I really suggest you guys do your own research about this term in Buddhism and, and what it means because it's a lot more than I can describe just really quickly. So definitely do, do your research if you're interested in this. Here's a little uh, sentence about it from a Sri Lankan Buddhist monk named Hennepola Gunarantana, And I apologize if I mispronounce that. He defined Vipassana as looking into something with clarity and precision seeing each component as distinct and separate and piercing all the way through so as to perceive the most fundamental reality of that thing. Which is really interesting, especially when we talk about um, characters like Rey and Kylo. Kylo is the one that's kind of more obviously lying to himself. He He has a mask that he wears. That mask is very representative of the fact that he is lying to everyone and himself. Um, He's projecting this bad guy persona and he has these good guy instincts. Um, He has this call to the light that's happening and he's trying to deny that and project to everyone that he's bad and believe his own lie. So. It's also similar to something that Ray is doing. Ray has a lot of sadness and fear and a lot of negative emotions inside of her. And she pretends that they're not there. She just moves forward with a smile on her face. And she is not happy inside. She is projecting a lie as well and trying to believe it and deny what's going on deep down inside of her so this term vipassana that the idea of seeing things as they really are is really interesting when we talk about these characters and how their own self-concept is and how their this this might mean that these two characters are going to have to confront themselves which is really cool and i'm excited to see that play out so now on to some other stuff we know about Pesana. Uh Pasana was filmed in Jordan in a place called Wadi Rum, which is a protected site. It's one of the areas where the Bedouin peoples, who are a grouping of nomadic Arabic peoples, um, basically they had been restricted to living there and roaming in that area in the past. Um, and some, there are some other restrictions with this protected site status, And basically, only the Bedouin peoples um, can make money there. So uh, there's, you know, different businesses that are run by the Bedouin peoples there. Um, And this is likely the reason why uh, the Vanity Fair article, you know, they said that locals are playing the Aki Aki. It's it's likely that they were uh, Bedouin peoples. Wadi Rum has also been called the Valley of the Moon and the Valley of Light Sand. Light sand, as in like sand that gets easily blown around by the wind. It contains the ruins of an ancient Nabataean temple to Allat, the wife of the sun god. And the Bedouin are made up of many different clans and tribes, so painting them with a broad brush would be inaccurate. Uh, But there is speculation that some of these groups are descended from the Nabataean people of the 4th century BC to 1st century AD, the same that created that ancient temple that's in the Wadi Rum. So that's definitely interesting, and it makes me wonder how much of the Aki Aki culture that uh, that JJ, you know, kind of pulled from uh, as inspiration, uh, like he pulled from um, the Bedouin peoples. Uh, as uh, We've seen people, a lot of people wearing red. Um, we've seen people with uh, black and white stripes and Um, red is a very common color in clothing of some of the tribes and clans that are uh, you know considered bedouin peoples and um, the bedouin camp that is in wadi rum is um, their tents are black and white so it makes me wonder how much of that is um, like the visual inspiration is pulled from there Um, some other little bits just about the wadi rum in general Uh, Wadi Rum also has uh, some interesting more recent history during the First World War British Army officer T.E. Lawrence aided the Arab revolt against the Ottoman Empire and he gathered troops there um, of many different Arab peoples to try and lead them against the Ottomans now T.E. Lawrence also known as Lawrence of Arabia he's really closely associated with the Wadi Rum in the Western consciousness um, for better or for worse. So it's possible that um, the use of this site might, you know, it might connect back with the ideas of rebellion or, um, you know, revolt and revolution and things like that. For the actual shot we see in the new footage, it looks like it's um, poss- possibly either a celebration or a festival. Uh, there are colorful banners and kites, and sm- there's some like colorful smoke. Um, many people are weighing the color red. Um, some other common colors that are in that shot are uh, green, yellow, and blue as far as like the colors that are in the banners and the kites and such. We've seen celebrations like this on Naboo and on Endor. Each of them is pretty distinctly different from each other, but we have never seen kites, as far as I know, in Star Wars before. So I thought that was interesting. Um, especially considering the fact that kites are not, they're not like high tech. So, you know, introducing new technology and stuff is, is one thing, but introducing something that's like low tech and has a lot of cultural significance and even a lot of religious significance in different religions. Um, I think, you know, they must be there for a reason there are many cultures that use kites during celebrations and holidays in some areas of japan kites are flown to celebrate the birth of a newborn son in many middle eastern and east asian cultures kites are flown at major holidays especially the new year um, either solar new year or lunar new year depending which um, calendar they use most seem to use the lunar new year um, But as we're about to discuss, even though the lunar calendar is used, there are still a solar celebrations um, or also in the beginning of spring. The first one we're going to talk about, well, the one we're going to talk about in more in depth is uh, Makara Sankranti. I hope I said that right. Um, It's a festival in Hinduism. Um, It's also called Maggi. I think, I think I'm saying that right. My apologies if I've mispronounced anything. Um, this is an annual celebration in mid-January. It's a festival in honor of Surya or the sun and celebrates the end of the month that includes the winter solstice. Um, so it's kind of celebrating the beginning of longer days to come. This festival is actually a pan-Indian celebration and it goes by different names in the different cultures and religions across the continent. Kite flying is an important part of this celebration but there are also other practices that occur including something similar to trick-or-treating where the children go house to house for food or pocket money, bonfires, feasts, um, there can be ritual bathing, um, different prayers, and there can be fairs uh, and festivals and that type of thing um, that happen in, in towns. Um, Now, there are a lot of other uh, cultures that have different kite festivals, um, and many of them have a practice of kite fighting, where kite flyers attempt to run down other kites. In some European countries and their territories and their former, former territories, kites are flown around Lent and Easter to represent Jesus Christ rising from the grave and ascending to heaven. There's some speculation that in Brazil, particularly, this practice was started by Chinese indentured servants in the mid-19th century, bringing along their um, practice of flying kites and kind of syncretizing it with the Christian religion that was present at the time and that they were likely forced to comply with. So the inclusion of kites in this celebration, uh, I could hint at themes of new life, um, and, rebirth, uh, maybe ascension, resurrection, some kind of renewal, since a lot of these happen um, spring and the New Year's. Um, With the title like Rise of Skywalker, at least one of these themes is not a far reach. It's of particular interest that kites could be used to celebrate the birth of a sun, at least to me, (laughs) um, or the rebirth of the year and the end of shorter, darker days. Um, In Rise of Skywalker, if Rise of Skywalker ends with a redeemed Ben Solo, this will all tie together very well. Also, not just Ben Solo, but likely we're going to see some kind of rebirth of the whole galaxy and maybe the way that for the force interacts with people. Um, So this is all really, really exciting. Um, Now on to one of the main events that I really wanted to talk about um, was Rey's Red Ribbon. Um, We see a ribbon wrapped around Rey's left hand, and it's almost like either an ornamentation of some kind for her palm, in the back of her palm, or maybe it's a bandage. A lot of it is hanging loose, um, so it seems like it's wrapped, and then a lot of it's hanging loose, so it moves when she moves. Uh, We don't know much from the short clip that we saw, um, but this seems to be a scene where Rey is training in the woods with her staff in her right hand and her lightsaber in the left hand. Um, She is using a training remote to train and to me it looks like she's training to use two weapons simultaneously Um, and maybe she's gonna she's training to use the dark side saber in her right and the light side saber in her left perhaps (laughs) Um, I have seen a lot of thoughts about this this red ribbon online including it possibly being a reference to the red string of fate or the practice of hand fasting. Um, And both of those were pointed out by MC from What The Force on Twitter. So uh, please go listen to her episodes about those two um, topics if you're interested in those particular ones, because I'm gonna be talking about it from a different angle and it's, it's definitely kind of distinct from those particular ideas. So for some reason, my first thought when I noticed that ribbon on Ray's hand was that it could be a prayer flag or a prayer ribbon now i'm not sure why my mind went there immediately but it does seem like it could be relevant to the meaning of this cloth that's wrapped around her hand and it seems to tie back to some of the symbolism that's also related to the kites which we discussed earlier just a few minutes ago prayer flags cloths rags and ties and ribbons are used by many cultures across the globe. Uh, This is a practice where different colors of cloth are tied to high or sacred items or places like tree branches at a holy site or lines hanging from very tall mountains. The ritual of hanging these cloths usually carries with it a general prayer or wish for goodwill, peace, and health. Sometimes the color of cloth carries a specific meaning And the cloths can even have symbols or prayers written directly on them. Often it is said that as these cloths deteriorate, the wish comes true. One message to be taken away from some of these practices possibly could be that the temporary parts of life are positive and transformational and that we are all in in temporary. Um, This process of of nature kind of consuming the ribbons also, it seems... uh, or, or cloths, it seems, have, has to tie back to the idea that um, these wishes are made for all, or usually for all, um, or they're usually always good, good, goodwill or healing type of wishes, and these are consumed by whatever power people may believe in, Um, that exists in nature and the universe. Each culture that participates in these practices have their own reasoning, um, their own ideas behind why they're doing it. Um, They have uh, specific rituals and um, different significance for involved. So I don't wanna like paint this with too broad of a brush, Um, but some cultures that participate in this practice included various uh, Native American and indigenous Canadian tribes, Uh, some Celtic groups in Scotland, Ireland, and Wales, and multiple South and East Asian cultures, including Tibet. Now, one interesting note and why I may have been thinking of this practice um, is the presence of the wishing tree um, on the canon planet of Batu, which is Galaxy's Edge theme park. Um, Slashfilm reports that uh, there is a tree called the Trilon Wishing Tree, and it can be found in the courtyard of Savvy's workshop. The tree is how Batuans send their hopes and wishes into the universe. You tie a piece of fabric to the tree and make your vow or ask your wish, and when it disintegrates, the galaxy grants your wish. So this seems to be incredibly similar to some of the practices I was just talking about. Um, perhaps... Uh, Ray is symbolically holding some kind of wish or promise in her hand. Um, That's one one way to think about this. Before we move on from this thought altogether, I want to discuss in a little bit more detail the prayer flags of Tibetan Buddhism. These flags are usually replaced once a year on the New Year, um, which is considered a time of renewal, transformation, in many cultures, and um, the flags represent positive prayers of goodwill for the whole world. It's said that as the wind wears away at the cloth and the sun fades the colors and inscriptions, the prayers are spread from the high mountains where they're hung down to the rest of the world. The flags come in five colors in the specific order of blue, white, red, green, and yellow which represent the five elements and five pure lights, which are an essential teaching of Nsogjin Buddhism, which is Tibetan Buddhism. The five elements are how matter seems to appear, um, but to the knowledgeable or enlightened, matter appears as five pure lights. According to this system of thought, knowledge is the true nat- is insight into the true nature of all matter as pure light in perpetual motion. And compassion for all beings must be achieved in order for an individual to reach what is called rainbow body. Now we're going to talk more about that in a minute. We're going to go in a lot more detail about that because I think it's really interesting and it has to do tie back to the redemption, resurrection, and possibly, um, you know, it all goes back to insight as well with the five elements being balanced. And as I was saying, these, are, this, these concepts, the balance of the five elements and insight into the nature of all things are present in the Tibetan prayer flags but represented through the five colors. And red is the color that's in the middle. So I do think this is relevant to um, the appearance of a red ribbon around Ray's hand. Now, um, if Ray's ribbon is indeed some kind of spiritual token it could be related to the element of fire due to its red color. Buddhism is a religion with many cultural varieties, and each of them have different interpretations and expressions. Each of the elements is, is deep with meaning, but we'll just focus on a few possible meanings of the element of fire in Buddhism right now. The first is change, especially change of self through um, suffering or aging, basically like how we change as we move through life Um, because as we move through life we are going to grow in age and generally we're going to go through hard times as well it has to do with being honest with yourself and how you've changed over time now this is a more positive uh, take on the element of fire the negative side of fire would be selfishness especially through greed hatred and delusion. One can choose not to feed these fires of self. Now these ideas that the self changes through our experience and that our changes cannot be denied is an important one for Ray to understand and confront. And the idea that the fires of greed, hatred, and delusion should not be fed would be a good one for Kylo to come to understand. So it's very possible that this these themes um, and elements are going to come through in the story. Um, and it may be indicated by Ray using that red ribbon. Now, another thing that Ray's red ribbon may be reminiscent of is the practice of wearing a red cloth or ribbon to ward off the evil eye or bad luck. In Kabbalah, a red string bracelet is often worn on the left wrist to protect the wearer from the evil eye and that's the same arm that Ray is wearing her ribbon on. It's on her hand though but not her wrist. But it's possible that it's somehow related to this idea. Now the string can also be said to transmit the virtue of the person who wore it previously onto the next wearer. In Chinese culture, red is a very favorable or lucky color. Red is also considered a color of protection in feng shui, amplifying your prayers and desires. In Hinduism, red strings are sometimes sometimes tied onto the wrist of participants during sacred rituals, on the right wrist for unmarried women and on the left wrist for married women, which is interesting, especially if Ray and Kylo, well, not even if, you know, Ray and Kylo had a basically what is a symbolic marriage in The Last Jedi. She's, you know, considered married now. (laughs) Um, The string during these rituals serves to remind the participants of the significance and holiness of the ritual that they're participating in. Red can also be a color of healing in some cultures, and a red cloth can be tied over a wound to hasten its healing. Now, perhaps... This ribbon on Rey is some kind of protective measure, um, and it maybe it was passed onto her from someone else. Maybe it's protecting her from Palpatine's gaze. Um, you know, him. maybe he's trying to reach out through the dark side of the Force to get to her. Um, maybe it's protecting her from opening the Force bond with Kylo at a bad time, or maybe it's even protecting her from the darker side of herself. Um, it could also be part of a Jedi training ritual that she's participating in um, and it could you know, serve to remind her that of, of what she's doing or maybe it could be an outward indication that Rey needs some kind of healing and is hurting on the inside. Now, before we go, I wanted to talk about an important part of Tibetan Buddhism called Rainbow Body, which I mentioned earlier. Rainbow Body is basically a spiritual experience that occurs before or at death and it has a lot of different forms and it seems like it appears differently in different people. Um, Now usually it exists in people that have achieved insight like I was talking about earlier about the true nature of all things paired along with compassion for all beings. One of the most relevant forms of rainbow body for our discussion is called light body or atomless body. It's when someone's physical body disappears either instantaneously or over time and they become a being of light basically who can manifest themselves anywhere where they feel that they can help. Um, now there are other forms of rainbow body which all include some kind of miraculous event at or after death, and all are considered equal in importance. Basically, anyone that has achieved any kind of rainbow body has achieved that same level of enlightenment. It just expresses itself differently in different people. Now, these miracles happen not to exalt the individual who they manifest themselves in, but they happen to contribute goodwill, freedom, and happiness to all who exist." Now ultimately, those who achieve rainbow body access life after death in some form. Sometimes even they have a bodily resurrection before their ultimate turning into a being of light. This is a really, really interesting thought as applied to Star Wars and to me, I, I don't know if there's any evidence that George Lucas new, researched this in particular before he made Star Wars, um, but I feel like he really must have because we have seen multiple characters achieve something that seems similar to Rainbow Body. Obi-Wan, Yoda, and Luke, they all disappeared physically the second that they died and Obi-Wan and Yoda manifested themselves as beings of light. So it's, I'm going to say 100% likely that in the rise of Skywalker, we will see Luke manifest himself as a being of light as well, since he just disappeared at his death. Um, Now, Anakin and Qui-Gon also manifested themselves or partially manifested themselves after their deaths. Um, So they can be possibly considered to have reached a state state of enlightenment and compassion as well. I really believe we'll see more Force Ghosts in Rise of Skywalker. Like I was saying, we're definitely going to see Luke reaching out and following their compassion. That's the, that compassion is what basically caused them to become Force Ghosts and as well as their just understanding of the true nature of things, if we're going along with some of the ideas of what Rainbow Body is. I also believe that we'll see at least one resurrection, and I've been saying this for a while, if any, I don't know if anyone's keeping track, but hopefully we'll see that of Ben Solo once he achieves true insight and compassion, once he confronts the true nature of himself and everyone that exists, and overcomes that fear and hatred and hurt that he has, and transmits instead compassion towards others. So I believe what we're going to see is that Ben will achieve these things before he dies, and then he'll die, and then he will come back in a bodily resurrection and do the work that he still needs to do, that he feels like he needs to do to be able to contribute to the goodwill and freedom of the universe. So I hope that you all have enjoyed this discussion, that there's some food for thought, um, some things that you guys agree with, and please, like, hit us up, uh, let us know what you think of this episode, um, because we really love to hear from you guys. All right, thank you.
0: The Force is with me!